Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, Hello. I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're upbringing, we're here doing our live Q&A on our spirited and sensitive kids. Can't mm-hmm. live with them, you can't live without them. <laughs> How can we be showing and growing up together alongside them in this parenting process for what we call sanity and social change? We're really happy to be here. We've got a list of DMs, uh, some of which we storied, <clears throat> a lot of messages in there that we haven't been able to get back to, so we're going to try to get to some of those today. Yeah. Feel free to ta- um, type in if you're if you're here live. We wanted to acknowledge our privilege also in being cis, straight, able-bodied white women uh, talking about this stuff and how in a lot of ways we consider it our responsibility to be talking about this stuff, to be working on the ways that we interact with our kids. Um, it's a yeah. lot. It's important. So mm-hmm. thank you b- for being here and joining us. Yeah, I mean, that responsibility, like you say, Kelty, is about the power we exert over our kids and what we're conditioning them to experience and do to others uh, as they grow older. What are they going to be perpetuating in their relationships as they grow up? Uh, and all of that is normalized and conditioned in the home right now, especially when the shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. Um, I, in other news, my eye twitch has come back this week. <laughs> I don't know about all of you. It was hard for you this week. I didn't think you'd say my eye twitches back. That's the the easiest thing that's been happening Mm -hmm. this week, I would say, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. But let us know what's going on with all of you, with your spirited and sensitive kids. If you have any questions uh, about their big feelings, challenging behaviors, questions about our spirited kid club, which is now open for enrollment uh, for January. Mm -hmm. It's our small group coaching um, that is uh, weekly two-hour sessions with eight other uh, parents of sensitive and spirited kids, 
where we connect and we coach and we work through the biggest struggles together Mm -hmm. and learn from one another in community, which is kind of cool. Yeah. One of the days is already sold out. We've got Tuesday mornings, four Tuesday mornings or four Thursday evenings. So check it out on our website. Yeah. Upbringing.co is where you can learn more about it. Let us know if you've got any questions. Yeah. Okay. So a few questions while we're waiting for yours here on Instagram to, um, to fill in. Let's start with some of the DMS we've been getting. Okay. I think it did talk about even just getting here, how hard that's been. I did a little story about my daughter's been sending me text messages from her iPad in the evenings after. So Hannah and I are basically only able to work except this morning on in during evening. So like after four or five, we go off to walk and work and write and do our stuff. And, um, it's been met with a lot of resistance with my kids being like, where are you going? Why do you always have to work? And I'm like, you don't ask dad, you don't ask Papa why he has to go work in the morning. Like, why am I getting grilled all the time? And I was with you all day. All are you day. not as tired of me as I am of you? Love you. But seriously, we need a little bit of time apart right now. Yeah. But I got yeah. this one specific text from her where it's like a bunch of uh, her bitmoji face crying. And I was like, oh my God. And then me supposedly behind a laptop bitmoji. It looked like you. And it said, this is you mama. As in like, you're always working. And I was like, I'm not, I wanted to say, I'm not always working. I don't work in front of you. I try not to be on my phone around you. We have lovely days together unschooling right now. And I just need a few fucking hours to myself. And it was really hard not to write all of that back and just say, get defensive about it. I'm sorry that you're missing me. I miss you too. I love you. I'll be home soon. Thanks for sharing that dagger through the heart slash rage moment. I think so much about our spirited kids is they just don't let us get away with anything. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for us to just constantly being held accountable for things, Mm -hmm. even when it's the hardest when we feel like we're justified in doing whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like I have to stop that 10th cookie or I I can't, this literally doesn't exist or I have to work for two hours, Mm -hmm. right? Or I have to do whatever. They still struggle with with that sometimes. I know. And that feeling of, I let so much go. I give in so much. And that feeling of, I, where's mine? Why can't I get my, my needs met? My thing. You have a feeling of resentment sometimes with your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so hard not to put that on them. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. the stuff that goes through my brain though, it's crazy. (gasps) Okay. Do you want to do some of these? Let's do some DMs. DMs. Yeah. Send us your questions. Um, Big feelings, challenging behaviors. Someone said, hi, after following and reading your posts for a while now, I finally have a quote unquote diagnosis for my beautiful daughter. She's a spirited child. The biggest struggles she has are in the social aspects of her life. She's often rejected by her peers, especially girls and even their parents who can't keep up with her energy. She's always been the most resilient person I know, but I'm afraid now that she's 10, the whole situation, which is starting to involve quite a bit of loneliness. She's the only child also with no relatives whatsoever around. It's taking a toll on her. That's the the worry she has. How can I help? Ask this parent. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I love the- getting those DMs from people being like, oh, I have a spirited kid. I thought they were just a pain in the ass and trying to ruin my life and embarrass me in front of everyone. And that's part of what our work is. And yeah. looking at our kids, wherever they are on the sensitive and spirited spectrum or any spectrum of neurodiversity is saying, this is the kid in front of me. And I'm going to try to think about that as them, as this beautiful, pure, wonderful, authentic, 
expression of who they are as opposed to all the ways that it inconveniences me as their parent. Mm -hmm. And then I think that that means that that a parent's goal when they have a 10 year old that is just so high energy that it makes it hard for peers to relate for parents, other parents and teachers to keep up. And we have to keep remembering that our goal um, isn't just to honor and respect and understand that they are who they are. But then our role in that, right, is saying, I need to support that nervous system, support that spiritedness, support that energy in real ways so that they can grow up and not just be a 10-year-old who's got a lot of energy and go, 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 but who can be an older um, adult and can say, I love who I am and I know how to advocate for my needs, communicate, understand other people, all of those things. So our role isn't to make our kids, our spirited kids conform and lower their energy, mm-hmm. talk more quietly, fit in, have fewer demands, be nicer to friends. That's not our, our goal or our role, mm-hmm. right? Our goal is to help them build awareness around who they are and what they need. We call it the inner wisdom, is who they are, who they are, right? And then what they need and how to get that is the inner authority. And that's where they're ally in, mm-hmm. in, in these early years in that way yeah. to build that infrastructure. And I think that a lot of people who write in saying, oh gosh, my kid is just so much. And the world really notices that. And I think they're beginning to notice that all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're getting rejected by friends or teachers are being like, you're a little much, even if we haven't kind of been yeah. doing that. So I think that we can we can really just be that mirror for our kids in that role of, of sensitive support staff. We can be the mirror that says, oh, that interaction seemed hard. Mm-hmm. How did it go? Tell me about it with your friend. Oh, and they said this. Oh, how do you feel about that? Yeah. You know, we don't have to fix all, our, all of our kids' problems. We don't have to tell them what to do or how to change or how to be different, how to move through the world or to constantly explore the impact of the way, the fierce way that they do that, mm-hmm. but really to just reflect. be there and reflect. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that's reflecting, Hey, how did it go for you? 10 year old spirited girl in this mm-hmm. social situation. How were you feeling? Okay. And then how about for your friend or whatever, who cried and ran away from you mm-hmm. or this parent who was like, you are too much, mm-hmm. right? When you went over for a play date mm-hmm. say, well, it, I don't think this is about you. And I think in so many of these ways, not helping or forcing our kids to change, but also not saying don't take it personally at all, Mm -hmm. but just saying, this isn't about you. What about that parent? I guess they're used to being around kids Mm -hmm. who are quieter. That's interesting. Or this child, I guess she wasn't, she was surprised when you yelled really loud that you Mm -hmm. wanted her to stop. I guess she's not used to to experiencing that. Mm -hmm. And so you're building awareness without shame, right? Mm -hmm. Of your spirited 10 year old and of the people who she's impacting. You're just building awareness. Mm-hmm. There's so much learning that can happen yeah. in that. And I think that it's interesting. A lot of people also think that um, that their kids are lonely, especially their only children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that could, can be true, but it's also a judgment that we put on for our kids because we grew up with siblings um, and maybe we think, oh, they don't have enough friends or, oh, they don't have a sibling, so they must be lonely. And I think, let's keep looking to our kids for what they're needing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, But I, I recognize that as a common worry that she could be lonely or not have enough friends. But what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. right and so much about socialization isn't about having friends that you get along with mm-hmm. all the time and bffs that you're like always hanging out with it's moving through social situations and learning from them yeah. and you don't learn in social situations when you're just like on the swings playing together our kids learn a lot in social situations when they struggle with other friends mm-hmm. and it's hard on us because it makes us worry but that's where so much of the learning about themselves mm-hmm. and other people can happen yeah. we talk about this in the sibling dynamic a lot too yeah i was gonna yeah. say this parent uh, 
um, is basically going through a lot of sibling work with their spirited 10 year old daughter and other kids instead of a sibling. Right. But it's all, it's all valuable. It's all good work. It's all important. Yeah. Someone mentioned here, uh, about once a month, I feel like I'm so overwhelmed by my two spirited kids that I end up in tears in front of them. It often is just a brief moment. And I try to explain to them after the fact that I'm stressed or overwhelmed and we make a point to reconnect, but I'm nervous. I'm giving them a complex. That is such a, an understandable concern, right? We, we don't want our kids to think that we're not in control. We don't want our kids to think that um, they can affect us that deeply, right? That can be very jarring and shaking for a child to see their parent um, scream in front of them, cry in front of them, especially when it's about them. Kids are so beautifully egocentric in these early years, and they will very often naturally assume that whatever is going on around them is because of them, because they are the center of their universe. Which makes right? you wonder why we're conditioned to drill it in so often. I know, right? <laughs> you did this. You made me mad. You made yeah. me sad. You made me frustrated. Right. They already are assuming those mm-hmm. things, right? That's how kids learn best is if they're the center of their universe. So everything is from their perspective, but it can also lead to a lot of shame and a lot of feelings of responsibility. And that's, I think that's the complex that you're referring to. You don't want to, your kids to think that, um, that they are responsible for your feelings and your needs. You're the parent. It should be the other way but around. I also want to just validate yeah. this, like bursting into tears from frustration or from the grind of being with two spirited kids. And I can absolutely relate to that. And thank you yeah. so much for sharing and normalizing the fact that our kids make us fucking cry mm-hmm. and being around spirited kids and sensitive kids who just do not stop yeah. or who put us through the Wears emotional down. ringer yeah. is really hard. And we're going to shed some tears and we're going to have some big feelings ourselves. And that's okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think what, what you said was so great that you circle back with them and just say that you were stressed and you were struggling a little. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's great. That's exactly what I would do. Right. Those moments my kids are making me fume or cry. The best thing I can do is try to physically remove myself mm-hmm. from the situation so I don't make it worse. And so my kids don't think, like you said, Hannah, that they're in charge of my feelings or right? responsible, responsible for, them, for them and that they need to be kind mm-hmm. of co- in a codependent kind of dynamic, mm-hmm. which isn't the healthiest thing. Yeah. And I think too, if you're going to say anything in the moment, you could say, it's, instead of saying you're doing this, you're this, right? Mm-hmm. You speak from an I place because mm-hmm. we're adults. And adults. I adults. think that's how you say okay. it. <laughs> and we say, I'm struggling right now. Not with mm-hmm. you, right? Because of or what, what you, you did. Uh-huh. I'm struggling with the situation. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling being here or I'm needing this and I'm struggling not mm-hmm. getting it, right? So we're speaking from an I place. Or even just say, I'm struggling, or I cry and say, I'm sorry. I'm I need feeling, to take yeah. some deep breaths. I'm feeling some stress. I think I need to take a moment. Right. And then later, when you circle back, you can just say, wow, there were a lot of demands on my nervous system. Remember, like when you have a meltdown, you're just like, so many things, cannot compute. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how I get sometimes too. I'm only human too, and I'm working so hard at taking my deep breaths, mm-hmm. noticing things around me, trying to mm-hmm. stay calm so that my brain can think. But every now and then, you know, with the situations we get into in the kitchen at five Mm -hmm. o'clock at night when we all need things or when we're struggling, we're struggling to transition out the door when we have somewhere to be and it's hard for everyone. I get really anxious and then I yell or I get really overwhelmed and then I cry. That's Mm -hmm. what happens when I get stressed sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you didn't cause that. I wouldn't even say that. But but, but if you have said that before, (laughs) maybe you can say this isn't on you, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, don't talk about fault and any of those victim aggressor rescue Mm -hmm. triangle things. But I think also something that a typical grill back that Mm -hmm. most of us have experienced is then saying, so that was the situation, you caused it. 
And then, so what are you going to do differently next time? Mm-hmm. So I think that as we're flipping this grill back to a circle back um, in this respectful parenting approach of ours, we also say, and so next time I'm going to try to do something mm-hmm. different. And you're modeling some incredible self-awareness skills, what you brought to the situation, why you were, did what you did or said what you said, and then what your plan is for next time. Mm-hmm. So rather than pushing those things on the child, you're modeling those things. So funny how often we hear that people will be tiptoeing into a circle back and then it ends up becoming a grill back. You're like, because oh, you're shit. like, oh, I wanted <laughs> to talk about earlier when you did this thing, ah. <laughs> or they started as a grill back because they're upset when you did this and your sister got so angry and then you hit her and I can't believe it. And we, but let's just, you know, I'm sure we'll try harder next time. They try to, Oh yeah, let's make it a circle back. Yeah. <laughs> but right. it's all good, right? It's all good. And I think for those kids who are used to getting the, the grill back mm-hmm. oftentimes and very sensitive kids too, mm-hmm. in addition to being spirited, talking about it directly can be like too stressful for them. So yeah. those children, are the ones who will be like, la 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 and like run away or like make a joke or mm-hmm. whatever and be like, stop talking mom. Stop, mm-hmm. stop, stop, great stop. Feedback. Right? So those circle backs might need to be a little bit more, um, more subtle, a little more nuanced, yeah. maybe in story form or, on a piece of paper or, or drawing. you can circle back and, um, basically t- storytelling to your partner right. in front of the kids. So you can be like, Oh my God, honey, <sighs> earlier when we were trying to leave the house, <clears throat> It was really hard and I ended up yelling or I ended up crying and, and having some big feelings because I was just really stressed oh, about just it. just got them all out. Oh. And hopefully your partner is like keyed into the fact that this is what you're doing. And they're like, I'm so sorry that happened. I get frustrated or I get overwhelmed too sometimes. And, oh, I'm sorry I wasn't there to Can support I give you, you guys. Can I give you a hug? Right. So your child is hearing all of this. Right. At the same time, but you're not having to direct it at them. Mm-hmm. And I think even just for a starting off point with those circle backs is just saying, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are like, sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm a grown ass woman. I don't have to apologize to anyone about anything. Mm-hmm. But to our kids, we do. We're modeling that. We're modeling awareness, graciousness, mm-hmm. um, accountability, mm-hmm. all of those things. And I'm sorry. It's a very vulnerable thing that doesn't have to mean we were wrong. It's just that we're sorry about what happened. And sorry even about if, how it went down. Even if that's yeah. all we say, that is opening the door to um, some more improved circle back. I'm so much more willing to talk to my husband about something hard that went down. If he begins it with an apology, he just signed on. Did you hear that, honey? No, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a tenderizer mm-hmm. for us, for our kids as well. Yeah. Starting a conversation with, I'm so sorry about what happened earlier says, I care. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming to the table with this huge heated agenda I or want- without saying I messed up and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fessing up and apologizing. It's mm-hmm. not those old school apologies. We don't have to grovel. Yeah. We don't, there, we weren't wrong by doing anything. I love that, that idea of having a circle back and an apology, not be binary. Mm-hmm. There's no winner. There's no loser. I was not right or wrong or made a good choice or a bad choice. It doesn't it can, hurt to apologize. It can just yeah. be, and it doesn't have to hurt. I love that. Mm-hmm. Let's change the yeah. apo- nature of the apology. Yeah. I mean, my kids who are five and eight now, they come back to me after they raged on me and became a cat feral animal or mm-hmm. like dumped something or did something kind of wild and dysregulated. Uh, and we're, we've calmed down kind of, they'll come back and say, I'm sorry about what happened earlier. Mm-hmm. And then they'll say what was going on for them. I was feeling really uncomfortable in my body, or I was mad that we couldn't go stay longer at the park, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then they're starting to get to that next step of, I'm going to try to take some deep breaths next time or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And I've never asked them to say any of that circle back repair language. Mm-hmm. It's only because we do it that our kids learn how to do it because it's in relationship, right? It's not demanding that they say all these things when they don't feel them yet. They feel them by receiving them from someone like us. Yeah. That's how they learn how to give them. If that makes sense. Hi, honey. 
I'm um, glad that advice helped um, span a kiss. Wanna read the next one? Thanks for reaching out. Anyone else, let us know what's going on there with was the one, spirit um, and sensitive Do you kids. want to segue into modeling? There was one about dinner table manners that we can kind of... Okay. In speaking about apologies and how, how all, kids learn best through our modeling, mm -hmm. um, this would be a really good one to, to explore as well. Okay. Let's yeah. see. That's it. Maybe you have... Uh, okay. My husband and I are trying to figure out how to help our six-year-old with table manners. She's a super sensitive kid with mild sensory stuff. My husband is frustrated that she still uses her fingers, picks food apart, slouches at the table, etc. I feel like his continual correcting of her behavior is equally problematic and discouraging to an already very picky eater. What are reasonable expectations for a six-year-old? How would you teach table manners? I've always trusted modeling. He feels like it's not working. Love you guys. Such a great question. Such a good question. Ugh. Girl, you are on this. Trust yourself, trust your child, mm -hmm. trust your modeling. Your sensitive six-year-old who is touching her food to put it in her mouth is doing exactly what she needs to serve her nervous system, her body, and to engage mm -hmm. with food in a productive way. And this is a question that we get often is what, what are reasonable expectations for a six-year-old or a two-year-old or a five-year-old or a 10-year-old? Yeah. Reasonable expectations are what you are seeing. Change your expectations to be reasonable by meeting your child exactly where they are. What you're seeing is what they're able to do right now. Otherwise, they would be doing something different or something mm -hmm. quote unquote better. Yeah. But I think that so much about this is that the husband's goal of table manners is at in conflict with this mother's goal of nourishment and positive associations and nervous system regulation, mm -hmm. right? And so this is the socialization versus self-awareness discussion again, mm -hmm. where it's so easy for us and for our partners a lot too, who are not necessarily reading and listening and, and talking about mm -hmm. all of this as much, or maybe not as trusting in it to say, we must socialize our kids. So I'm gonna focus on the posture. I'm gonna focus on what they're using to feed themselves. I'm gonna focus on uh, the way they're, they're chewing and thank you, whether they're chewing with their mouth open, they need to know what's appropriate behavior. So that's behavior is focused, but we ha we want to focus. The root cause is the inside needs. That's how behaviors mm -hmm. ultimately change and not at the expense of the self. So why is our kid using their fingers? Because they're needing to touch the foods to get sensory input before they put the food and to their mouth. And they can eat however they fucking want. And Sorry. none of your fucking business, yeah. dad, right? Um, you know, this isn't a like Michelin five star restaurant. This is their own fucking dinner table. Mm -hmm. I eat very differently at a nice restaurant <laughs> than when I'm sitting in front of the TV watching this is Maisel, like shoveling stuff from a bowl, like literally not like mindlessly here, here. <laughs> right? right? Like this. And I like getting food in my hair and I'm just like, whatever. Like I don't mm -hmm. eat that way at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I think some people would be like, well then she should be eating nicer at a restaurant and she can eat a different way at home. And I think that's a nice distinction to show when you're at a restaurant, maybe we notice people are eating with their mouths open. People are sitting up in their chairs. These are things, but we have to keep trusting our kids that they're doing what their bodies are needing to do. Mm -hmm. And if we're mentioning, if you're, this woman's husband is prompting the child to not doing the, be doing those things and the child is still doing them, then it's even more apparent that this is a necessity and a, a, a critical step in their development mm -hmm. for them to be doing. Right? I think it's easy for um, partners often, for us even, yeah. for in-laws, for people to think, I just have to keep correcting my, my kid. I just have to keep prompting and reminding them to do these little things. And I think in certain situations, there might not be as much of an impact. Pick up your shoes, pick up your shoes, whatever it is, but do not mess with their eating, 
Right. Do not distract them from their eating process. Do not shame them about the way that they're eating, what they're eating, how they're eating. The, the like nourishment, self-nourishment is right. incredibly important and it's important. So it's not to be fucked with. Don't add control to that, mm-hmm. right? Don't add negative associations. Don't add judgment. Don't add mm-hmm. shame. But also we have to remember that there's so many invisible in, individual scaffolding skills that go into any skill like mm-hmm. eating, any skill like toileting, any skill like sleeping, any skill like drawing or speaking or any of those things that there's so many little baby skills Mm -hmm. that she's at a critical skill of saying, I still need to touch my food to put it to my mouth. That's clearly what she's needing. Otherwise she'd be using a fork and a spoon. Mm -hmm. And if we control our kids and push them to not do that skill, what are they missing? So it's like when we walk our kids so much, our babies, and we walk them by the hands right? And we sit them up in things and we don't allow them to crawl. They're literally missing crawling. A lot of kids miss crawling mm-hmm. and that crawling, that back and forth like this is helping them. The visual process of it, I'm going to botch this because I'm not a scientist, helps them eventually learn how to read from left to right. It helps them. So every single thing that they do helps their bodies prepares them for that next step. And it might look, it comes into conflict with our conventional wisdom and socialization goals, we get really triggered. Maybe this husband, I think it would be an interesting question to ask this, um, this woman's husband is you're, you're really focusing so much on like mm-hmm. star behavior at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. What happened to you, honey, when you were a kid, mm-hmm. how was it at the dinner table? Were you, with were you? you allowed to be on your knees? Were you, you allowed know? to talk? Were you allowed to chew with your mouth open? Were you allowed to sample something and spit it out? Right. Were you allowed to use your fingers right. or the wrong side of the fork? Was your nervous system over controlled as well? right? How did that feel? Were you shamed for those things? Mm -hmm. What's leading you to want to control our six-year-old's dinner experience so much? And this brings up like a really sore subject for me, which is this happens so much. Women having to bring research to their husbands about this Mm -hmm. instead of saying, where's your fucking research that kids need to be doing these things or that correcting them is the right thing to do. Yeah. Cause there's plenty of research about why you should shut up at dinner. Mm-hmm. Just shut up. Just mm-hmm. do not talk about the food. Do not talk about the way they're eating the food. <clears throat> like there's tons of research, right? And I just, I just think that if you're doing anything negative in a place that you want to be creating positive associations, you need to rethink your approach, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just picturing this girl, a six year old who's experiencing this control and this constant judgment and, and, critiques, right? These microaggressions basically is what they are. Mm -hmm. How likely is she going to want to stay at the table? How likely is she going to want to eat her food? How likely is she going to want to look at her dad? How likely is she going to want to do anything around him without thinking I'm going to be doing it wrong? I'm not going to be doing it well enough. He's going to want to correct me, Mm -hmm. right? Thinking about the impact where our goal is really his goal with raising a, a very polite mannered eater is so wonderful. But by going about it the way that he is with control, that impact is so far off, I think, what he ultimately wants. And so we have to remember that if we have the goal of a particular outcome or behavior with our kids, we have to remember that using connection instead of control is the way that goal can actually be seen I think that's true. I think there are usually two things that we could do. Use connection over control or just shut the fuck up. Trust. Let it go. Trust right? over fear. Just let it go. Half yeah. of the work we do in our Spirited Kids Club is just let it go. Yeah. The unreasonable expectations, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for your work. Critical. This is critical. We love this conversation. Thank you all. I love this. Thank you. Yeah. 
Thank you all for being here and chiming in with what resonates. I love seeing the hearts in the corner because <laughs> it's like, okay, that was, that resonated. That's cool. We're on to something. Someone said, yes, powerful anti-oppression messaging around food. Yes, absolutely. Someone else said, needed this socialization versus child's needs reminder. Have been struggling with seven-year-old being polite with adults and really getting hung up on how it looks to other people. Oh, yeah. Next week, we will be doing all about the holidays mm -hmm. and how to just give less of a shit about what other people think. And remember that our main goal is to be supporting our kids. Mm -hmm. And that's going against a lot of conditioning, a lot of anxiety, a lot of our own traumas. You are not alone mm -hmm. in struggling with that. Yeah, but right. we were talking about the power of our modeling for our kids at the table, for our kids with friends, mm -hmm. um, and the same for politeness, quote unquote, manners and politeness. And yeah. I think we've, we've got a post on manners. You can scroll down on our Instagram to check it out. Just those automatic thoughts that come and we still want to say, what do you say? Or um, you should hug grandma or can you try please? Or geez, you know, we, should, we have to show gratitude or we have to be nice with these people. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of the, the, the conditioning that tells us our main job as parents is to socialize, is to make them sound good, is to make them look good, is to make them conform and perform and obey and mm -hmm. make good, proper little citizens. And right. that is not our job. That's the grandparents' job. <laughs> they will do a really good job working on that one. They will nail it. That's their teacher's job. Yeah. They all care about obedience and conformity and being good friends, right? Mm -hmm. They're gonna, your kids are gonna get this from everybody in their lives. And we can be the one person that says, what about you? Let's work on the foundation of who you are because you're going to know what the world expects from you very early, very easily, right? Mm -hmm. But is it going to be at the expense of you, right? Will that, that learning opportunity have been missed so that you end up in your 30s and your 40s being like, who am I again? What do I want? What do I deserve? I don't know because my parents spent all their time telling me what not to say and what not to do. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know why I even did any of those things because they didn't talk to me about it. <laughs> right. So the why, mm. the why, yeah. what are you needing? Why are you needing it? How can we get it for you? Or just model the, the stuff that you want your kids to learn. Really, yeah. it's, it's so much easier in some ways, harder in others, because we have to be polite because we have to eat our vegetables because we have to brush our teeth and enjoy it because we have to clean up mm -hmm. with a smile on our faces. Yeah. Right. We have to do all the things we want our kids mm -hmm. to soak in mm -hmm. and adopt right yeah what not to say what not to do and who not to be mm -hmm. absolutely someone said krista what about sibling fighting so hard not to control yeah oh, totally so triggering oh my gosh i think sibling conflict is one of the biggest things in our spirited kid mm -hmm. club that's open for january enrollments open um i feel like we always devote one two-hour session to mm -hmm. all sibling stuff. And for those of you who have one kid right now, we have you think of it in terms of your child with a friend, which mm -hmm. is going to happen. And you mm -hmm. want to be skilled in that as well when it, when it um, kind of takes you by surprise. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, oh my gosh, we, we go into this in our sibling conflict guide, mm -hmm. but it's just, it's very triggering. And rethinking the belief, goal, and role is kind of the way we like to frame it. So typically, we go into these sibling conflicts. We, our belief is that fighting is wrong that conflict is wrong. It means they're not going to be friends. It's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. It's uh, unproductive, all those things, right? And we have that belief and our goal is to shut that shit down. Got to stop it. Got to mm -hmm. fix it. That's, you know, and then our role, basically we paint our kids. The role becomes jury, judge, hall monitor, right? Police. And we paint them into the victim aggressor rescuer model. So someone's right. Someone's wrong. Someone mm -hmm. was good. Someone was bad, right? Mm -hmm. 
It's really, really hard. And so instead we flip all of those things in our Spirited Kids Club and we say our belief isn't that sibling conflict or challenges are wrong, it's that they're incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. That they're opportunities to learn about their needs, to perspective take about other needs, to build nonviolent communication strategies. All the good stuff happens in conflict. So then our goal, if we believe that, is to create connection, to create understanding, to raise awareness between both of the siblings mm-hmm. or uh, child and friend. And then that role, rather than the judge, jury, hall monitor, we switch to what we call sensitive support staff. So we put our hat on, our badge, or whatever, cape, mm-hmm. and we say, how can I show up as a mediator here to build that awareness rather mm-hmm. than painting them as a victim and aggressor, which mm-hmm. becomes this vicious cycle, an identity role that they hold on to for much of their life. We can say, no one's wrong. No one's right. Everyone's got needs. What's mm-hmm. your need? What's your need? Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep everybody safe. We're going to build some skills in the moment or later if yeah, it's too hot. But and I think that there's a huge obstacle to this, this goal basically of taking a sibling conflict or taking a quote unquote misbehaving kid or a kid with huge feelings and trying to make a safe space around it when it feels so unsafe to mm-hmm. us. That is our primary challenge. Like Krista shares, it's mm-hmm. so hard yeah. to be neutral when your kids are trying to kill each other or drive you crazy with their nattering or their you know, poking and picking at each other or whatever it is. And I think that's our main goal. That's our biggest obstacle is yes, changing that belief, but thinking this is a safe place. This is important. This is okay that this is happening. That's our biggest hurdle is thinking, okay, okay. And that's why one of the things we do when siblings are poking at each other or strangling each other or whatever it is, is we start nodding. Yes. Yes. Right. So we're telling ourselves, Remember, this is okay. (laughs) Usually we walk in saying, no, 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 no. Instead, we're going to start nodding. We start the bobblehead and our kids see this too. So they're like, oh, things are okay, right? We've been culturally conditioned to make it an unsafe space, extra unsafe. Let's add some insecurity. Pour a little acid and fire on this, right? right? Instead, we're going to say, yes, safe space. And we say, okay, okay. So we're saying, this is okay to ourselves. Our kids are hearing, okay, okay. It also buys us time so we don't scream, what are you doing? Or stop, or why, or whatever it is. We can even just reprogram ourselves to nod yes and to say the words, okay, okay, while we're pulling bodies off or while we're sitting watching, mm-hmm. right? Whatever That's a starting is. off point, I think, in our Spirited Kid Club, Spirited, mm-hmm. uh, the sibling like section of it is like, mm-hmm. can we start with that? Mm-hmm. And can we start reprogramming on ourselves to believe conflict is okay? Because our kids will never believe that. They will never be okay and feel safe sitting in a conflict and saying, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with them. I don't have to be in denial. I don't have to be aggressive. I don't have to fight, fight, freeze like we're doing in all of these situations mm-hmm. with our siblings. They can be cool, calm. Hey, oh, this is what I was needing. What are you needing? Oh, I can stick around. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. We want our kids to be confident in conflict and they never will be if we aren't right now. And that's the process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's like catch 22. (laughs) But that's the the whole idea that we're growing up alongside our kids is that in order for them to learn these things, we get to practice them No, we talk about starting with that belief to the goal, to the role. And I think sometimes it helps to start with the role. Who do we want to be channeling in these moments that our kids are quote unquote misbehaving or screaming at us or hurting their sibling or harming the dog or running across the street? Who do we want to be? right? Who's our avatar? Who's our, our avatar? Persona. Just think yeah. of an actor, an actress, think of a, a person in your life, Spirit animal, whoever they are, try to channel them in those moments. Just click right into it or mm-hmm. your better self, quote unquote, better self. The mm-hmm. moments that you can comport yourself in a way or that who you are at work. Love that. Put on your work demeanor. Yeah. Right. I always like to Get think of myself as kind of like a, 
you know, behavioral health person in a, you know, a psych ward, how would they act? Or somebody like an EMT rolling up on the scene of something, they're not going to be like, what are you doing? You drove off the road and there's all this blood. <laughs> What's happening how here? How could you do that how to me? You, oh, you're so selfish. Oh my gosh. Ugh. The road sign said this, right? No, an EMT is just like all about the business. Yeah. Everything is as it should, seen this a million times, I'm just gonna see to the needs of the people who are hurt. Right. And we will right. figure it out later. Yeah. In a court of law. Whatever. whatever it is, right? Justine, you said exactly from earlier. Uh, our culture makes childhood extra difficult in so many arbitrary ways for the sake of teaching kids about the real world. Mm -hmm. but what we're actually doing is making the real world an oppressive place for kids. And we're perpetuating that oppressive place rather than mm -hmm. creating the home in the home, the world we wish to see. Right. I love that saying rather than damaging our kids now to somehow prepare them for later, we're undermining their resilience. We're undermining their skill building. We're undermining their self-concept. Mm -hmm. Right. So that they can go out there and what, what just perpetuate the history that, that, mm -hmm. that none of us is cool with. Right. Mm -hmm. We want our homes to be a vision of what the future can be so mm -hmm. that our kids can go out and make the change that we've normalized in our interpersonal relationship, cool. in the sibling relationship, yeah. right? That's the goal. Someone says, for one-child families, is it best to approach conflict with parents like this too, <clears throat> i.e. a mediator mm -hmm. between my son and my husband? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. It's That's the relationship triangle that we come in on as a mediator. It can be between us and um, uh, our partner and our child. It can be the child with another child. It can be mm -hmm. child with a friend. It can be child with a grandparent right? Where we are mm -hmm. saying, so it sounds like grandma really wants you to use your fork. Hmm. How are you feeling? Do you feel mm -hmm. like using your fork? But you're kind table? of wanting to use your hands. You're wanting to use okay. your hands. Okay. Well, what are we going to do about this? Huh? Mm -hmm. Right? So we're creating safety around a challenge or a conflict. Right? Someone said they're channeling Hannah and Kelty in those moments. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. And Krista said, so true. It's so hard not to get triggered. Thanks mm -hmm. for the tips. My brain needs some reprogramming. Absolutely. For any of you who need reprogramming, we've got, as I mentioned earlier, for those who are new to the, to the, um, the live, we have our spirited kid club open enrollment for January. So it's weekly sessions, small group coaching. So we jump on zoom with you and seven or eight other folks who have spirited and sensitive kids. And we mm -hmm. go through challenge by challenge by challenge. We take a lot of our skill sets, the belief goal role, opening the timeline, a lot of other techniques that we Resist have approach. and tools. And we work on those and we hash through. So in the group, you're not just learning about your own particular challenge through coaching with us, but you're learning from everybody else and understanding earlier, younger, older in mm -hmm. this situation versus that situation. It's really interesting um, and fun, and mm -hmm. especially not to feel as alone, I think, um, which can be so easy to feel. Mm -hmm. yeah. Someone said, I haven't been able to listen yet bedtime. So I'm just watching your lovely animated faces. <laughs> You like how this, the filter switches between our faces? I know. <laughs> we have to get rid of that. So anyway, weird. four and a half year old with six month old brother tells me what to say, where to sit, wants to be mom. I'm freaking out that he's feeling insecure and that's why he wants to be the boss of oh, me. Oh, sure. But he's also very spirited and assertive. Is all lost? How to help him? Oh, oh. yeah. We have another DM that's kind of like that we can bring up. Mm -hmm. Hey, Lauren. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. get started on it? Sure. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Got a lot here. Um, that's so hard when our kids are quote unquote bossy and they're telling us can't sit there you can't do this or you can't leave or um don't say that those words or well and i love it you're naturally automatically trying to attribute them in a positive way to saying mm -hmm. yeah this, you know bossy is, is actually <coughs> assertive 
you know, controlling is actually particular, mm -hmm. right? All of these things and these attributes that we can take that normally are very negative in our minds, how can we flip them to honor and respect our spirited kid? At the same that. time, there's stress, which mm -hmm. I feel like you can jump yeah, into. Yeah, and I feel like they, they kind of acknowledge that. Like, yeah. having a ba new baby sibling, I mean, every kid is going th is undergoing stress in different situations. And I think that any wild behavior, anything new that kind of comes out of, mm -hmm. out of the blue at us, we have to think stress. Our kids are stressed. Mm -hmm. They're incredibly stressed, right? And I think that that's another good kind of like, you know, um, giving them the benefit of the doubt. It's all stress. That's what mm -hmm. all every all the crazy shit I do in my life is when I'm stressed out and when the the demands of the world you know exceed my ability to to meet them right mm -hmm. and I think also stress this this parent also seems worried that you're like oh harming gosh, him or yeah. ruining him and and I want to mention too that stress we don't want to add additional or unnecessary stress to our kids but there's also just life right? Mm -hmm. There are also new transitions and new things. And mm -hmm. stress is okay. We don't want our kids to never experience stress because then they'll never understand what it feels like and how to manage it in a safe way, thanks to us having been around them being stressed out. Mm -hmm. So it's okay that your child is experiencing stress. We just want to support them through it, right? Mm -hmm. And then think, is there any way I can reduce some stressors so there mm -hmm. aren't as many compounding kind of elements at play? You didn't play. find the bossy one? I didn't find the bossy oh. one, yeah. But I think that when our kids get quote unquote bossy and start telling us where to sit and what spoon, or they're projecting that stress instead of on, you know, their food, sometimes kids get really particular about how their food is, or they get really mm -hmm. particular about their play, right? Or they get particular about how their clothes feel on their body, mm -hmm. right? It sounds like this child is projecting and wanting to control our behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it's like you said, Kelty, it's really, really natural. And I think we just have to decide how we want to play it. Yeah. The, well, the, right. the, the DM that came in, the woman was like, okay. should I just acquiesce and give them like, get up and use a different chair or whatever? Or should I hold fast? Cause I don't want to. And I think that's the main question mm -hmm. is, is it something you can do for your kid? Is it something you're willing to give? Can is you accommodate in, that particularity? In. Can I accommodate right. that right now? Am I able to, right. do I want to also a really good question. Mm -hmm. Do I want to switch seats? Do I want to get my ass up and cut it for the fourth time the way they want it or a fresh piece of bread with butter that actually reaches the edges or whatever the thing is? Yeah. Do I, can I, and do I want to? Mm -hmm. And then whether you do it or whether you don't do it, just acknowledging and validating the feelings. Mm -hmm. You really wanted that cut a different way. I'm sorry, honey. I can't get up and do that one more time. I know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're throwing it now. Oh, do you want to go get your own piece of bread and start fresh again? Mm -hmm. Or you want me to move seats? Okay, I think I can move seats. I'll get a different perspective. So mm. thanks for the idea. I'll sit over here okay. now. Okay. Right? Or this is your chair and you don't want to move seats and you're nursing the baby at the same time mm -hmm. and you can say, Oh, you wish I could move chairs. I hear mm -hmm. you. Is it so that I can sit across from you or get curious about it? Mm -hmm. Right? And then validate and say, Oh, I wish I could. Yeah. And then what could we do? So you're basically running yeah. the resist approach a little bit, mm -hmm. right? What can we do about it? Yeah. But I think oftentimes, sometimes those controlling behaviors, it's that simmering stress level that our kids are having. They're saying, mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable, mom. I'm not feeling good, dad. Mm -hmm. Ugh, something's in me. And oftentimes, mm -hmm. holding fast can help them just reach that, that wall that they're looking for to just and let all the feelings out. Mm -hmm. So I think for those of you who do have those kids where you're like, oh my God, walking on eggshells, I don't want to say no to any of their demands because mm -hmm. they'll have a meltdown. Let them have the meltdown sometimes. Mm -hmm. If they can purge that stress from their bodies, if they can't get it out through exercise and regulating their nervous system in other ways, or through laughing and giggling and cuddling, it's easy for you to say, just let them have the meltdown, Hannah. It's like, <laughs> just let them have the meltdown, no big deal. No, that's hard, and that's the moment of truth. In saying, mm -hmm. can I get up and make that toast, or can I, or do I want to get up and make that toast, you also have to ask yourself, 
do I want to experience a meltdown? Yeah. Do I have time? Do to I have time to deal with that? that? Am I able to support that? Well, if you're feeling unable to support a meltdown, maybe put a little more effort into supporting the bread cutting or the seat moving or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So but I think I love that Kelsey. And I think at, at the end of the day, I think that that question in the back of our mind, if I accommodate my high needs, particular child, I'm teaching them that they can just walk all over anybody. Oh, they're going to be an entitled brat. I'm spoiling them by cutting their toast again and doing it differently or by moving and sitting in a different chair. Mm-hmm. But it, that's not true. It's not true at all. If you actually feel okay making those accommodations that your spirited, uh, what, six-year-old or five-year-old or three-year-old is demanding, then that's okay because you're consenting to accommodate their needs. Mm-hmm. And you can make it clear, I think I'm okay with that, Sure. And then other times you can say, oh, I can't do that. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're modeling boundaries and consent. Mm -hmm. Right. But but accommodating them. Right. I think sometimes we're like, well, I'll accommodate them when they're thirsty, but I won't accommodate them when they want me to switch chairs. It feels silly if it feels Mm -hmm. unnecessary, but it's necessary to them. It's just Mm -hmm. like them saying I'm thirsty. I'm having an emotional need, a physiological need Mm -hmm. to have order in my world. And I'm going to express that by saying, I want more water or I don't want to lie down or mom, sit here instead. I think that that takes a huge pressure off our shoulders where normally we're judging. Is this need reasonable? Mm -hmm. Is this, is this ask reasonable? Is the way they're doing it reasonable? Mm -hmm. Just forget all of that and just ask yourself, can I do it? it? Do I want to do it Mm -hmm. right now? Right? Right. Make it all about a needs game instead of all this cloudy judgment of, should they be saying this? Should they be doing this? That's what is it too gonna, much. What is it going to lead to? That's not enough. Like all right. that crap just right. simplifies it, right? Yeah. I mean, God, when I feel like shit, mm-hmm. I want my partner to accommodate me. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean when he does everything I want or Kelty will do even more of everything I want. She'll like be my yeah, little sure. nursemaid, fix it, everything person, <laughs> right? And she's not teaching me to walk all over her or take advantage of her. She's showing me that I, I matter. She's showing me that she values me. And I think we can do that for our kids too when they're struggling. And I think, yeah, yeah I think that my daughter has a recognition, a self-recognition now of when she's being quote unquote bossy or over demanding <laughs> because when I'm able to continue to serve her and meet her needs, which is our job as parents right. is to whenever we can meet our children's needs, no matter how inane, right? They are. If I'm feeling a little bit of stress about it and she's like, more water. And I'm, I would say something like, okay, well, more water. Hmm. And she's noticing a little bit that I'm like, Okay. I'm not like more water, honey. You got it. Right. I'm like, she notices that change and usually she'll circle back or she'll Mm -hmm. a little grunt. Like, thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll come out because she's noticing that she's, you know, you didn't have to shame her and be like, I'm not going to do that when you ask me that with that tone. Right. Or that demand is ridiculous. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Right. You're just saying, Oh, and you're creating awareness. Yeah. But right. this is, these are the conversations that none of us grew up with. And a lot, it comes up a lot in our right from the start baby course. It co- comes up a lot in our spirited kids club. Everything is about needs. And we grew up unclear about what our own needs were. We're pretty cl- clear about what our parents needed because, and, and authority figures in our lives, but we weren't always connected to our inner wisdom and authority. What are we needing? Mm-hmm. And do we have permission to ask for it, to get that need met, to serve it? And I think if we can just, anytime our kids are pushing us over the edge, anytime we're tiptoeing into a conflict, just ask yourself, what are they needing? And ask yourself, what am I needing? Mm-hmm. It could be, what am I needing more of? It could be, what am I needing less of? It could be, what are they needing more of and less of? And begin that conversation with your kid, whether they're two or 20, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Keep tuning them in. So you're saying, I think I'm needing some quieter. I think I'm needing to just stay put and not get up again. I am sorry. And, but and it sounds you like you're needing. Love. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the thing too, is that everyone has needs. One person's needs aren't more important or supposed to win over someone else's, right? There's no winner and loser when it comes to needs. You can just say, this is my need. That's your need. We're still in relationship together. Nothing terrible happened when I didn't get my need met perfectly or you didn't get it met perfectly. Mm-hmm. We're all still here. We're showing our kids their security mm-hmm. in, in trying to, to express their needs or noticing somebody else's, that there mm-hmm. isn't that fear of, oh my God, I was conditioned as a child that when needs come up, someone loses, <gasps> something bad happens, right? I want them to feel safe in it. And this reminded me talking about the, the stress language of this uh, child that was controlling, over controlling the mom where she getting sits all what she does, getting kind of bossy. There's one here that is a 12 year old who constantly yells, belittles, and is harsh with the youngest, who's six, and sometimes with his sister, who's nine. Every little thing the younger ones do seems a good enough reason to scream and threaten, right? And he tried to explain the psychology of it all, but they say, he says they're, that the parents are too easy on, on the kids. <laughs> and they said that he, they're easy on him too, but it just is really, really hard. Feels like they're walking on eggshells, yeah. right? And that he's so mean. And so we have to remember that that, that 12-year-old his stress language is belittling his younger siblings. To, when he feels out of control, mm-hmm. he tries to get control by controlling other people. Right? He wants so to feel he sees safe one in of his, his little siblings not carrying their, you know, pl- plate to the counter. Right. Cl- clean your plate. What are you doing, mom, dad, or mom, right. mom, or dad, dad? <laughs> You're going easy on them. Come on. Right. Right. And I've I noticed think- that with my daughter lately too. Mm-hmm. When she's stressed a little more, she'll harp on um, her five-year-old brother and like kind of micromanage him a little bit. And I was like, oh my God, is she doing this because I do this? And I'm like, no, I don't do any of that stuff. So it's not, it's oftentimes the old, the siblings can model our parent yeah, behavior I was gonna say to the, the first thing, let's, let's try not to yeah. be modeling things to our kids that we don't want them to be reenacting with one another. And right. that's a really great reminder yeah, for totally. that. But then secondarily, yeah. let's just be that calm, neutral person that's reflecting that they're stressed. Mm-hmm. You really want him to clean the plate. Oh, oh honey, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right? You feel like that's unfair and you feel like mm-hmm. he needs someone harder on him. Oh, I wish that's how kids learned. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's not how we do it here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. third. How I, are you doing? Yeah. Third, I would focus <laughs> on how they're doing. How you doing? Right? Instead of yeah. explaining the psychology behind it, instead of defending the other kids, instead of getting into the weeds with this 12-year-old right. who's getting really bossy and micromanaging his younger siblings, I would ask what he's needing. Get to the root cause. I would get to the root cause. I would try to alleviate yeah. other stressors that could be alleviated in his life. Mm-hmm. Right? I would try to exercise his his body and help regulate his nervous system because mm-hmm. when we feel good, we do better. Mm-hmm. Right? And then talking to those other siblings. Sometimes mm-hmm. when 12-year-old sibling starts getting uncomfortable in their body, mm-hmm. they don't really know what to do with that energy. And so they kind of use it onto you guys sometimes. Kind of like mm-hmm. when I get uh, stressed out, I kind of snap at Papa a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I want to do and it's not something he wants to do, but that's just the way he's expressing his stress right mm-hmm. now. So we're working with him. He doesn't mean it. He's just in but one it's of those hard. moments. It's so know? hard because those younger siblings, when their older sibling is like yelling at them and micromanaging, quote unquote, parenting or disciplining them mm-hmm. um, as just a 12 year old, it might be hard for the other kids. They'd be like, what? Why are you saying that? Or no. And if every, every time becomes this kind of like conflict filled interaction. And I think that if you can work with coaching those younger siblings, not just to kind of um, give empathy to that older sibling when they're under attack, but also to just say, you can set a boundary. You can say, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave the room or I don't like it when you talk to me like that. Or, or if they want to just not and just be like, mm. as in like, okay, just you're giving some space, just give them some yeah. space, just work on nodding. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are we done for today? What are we doing? Done, y'all. Yeah. Okay. Love your topic. Thank you. This is gold. Thank you all for being here. 
had some great comments today, great questions. Uh, we have so many more DMs, and I think that's that's why we started our Spirited Kid Club. It was because we just kept getting so much feedback, questions, mm -hmm. concerns, challenges, and so many the same. And we kept thinking, oh my gosh, if only these people realized that that they're in our upbringing community on Instagram, but they're mm -hmm. not seeing each other, and they're mm -hmm. not realizing that their challenges are so similar. Um, and overlap in so many beautiful ways mm -hmm. to so many other folks. And so I think that's a huge part of the Spirited Kid Club, which is open for enrollment uh, for January right now, is that everyone can understand that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Everyone can feel like, oh my gosh, there's some universal things at play mm -hmm. with how we're parenting our kids with spirited and sensitive kids. So we feel like, oh, I can see mm -hmm. what this landscape is. I think it's right? also like feedback we've gotten from people is just this feeling of, I felt shame for the, the person that my child is. And I felt shame for the way that I was showing up with yeah. them. I didn't know anyone else who had quote, a spirited kid who pushed them this much. And, and coming into the group made me feel no shame for my child and no shame for myself in the ways that I've been showing up already. Right. And when we're in shame, mm -hmm. we can't learn when mm -hmm. our kids are in shame, they can't learn. And when we let go of that shame in, in our club, we're able to learn and to build skills and to say, okay, so what next? How do I approach these challenges? These big feelings and challenging behaviors that feel so chronic with sensitive and spirited yeah. kids. So bedtime, mm -hmm. um, playtime, homework and school, meal stuff, right? Transition resistance, mealtime resistance, hygiene, issues, hygiene resistance and challenges, sibling challenges and conflict. Mm -hmm. All of those areas, those are usually screen time is another really big mm -hmm. one. Those are kind of the main areas that we kind of rotate through discuss that that spectrum of, of beautiful sensitivity and spiritedness and how we can work with rather than against it so that our kids can learn how to do that for themselves too over time yeah and it's yeah. been interesting too seeing the range of ages we, yeah. we had one spirited kids club with a two-year-old all the way to 13 year old and you think that is these should be broken up by age it even crossed our mind the first month we did yeah. these and it, it's been amazing seeing how all the parents with various age kids can learn from each other still. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun watching like on the zoom screen when one parent's sharing or doing a little coaching with us, if they want to all the other heads, just like people like, Oh my God, they're like typing, giving it, it thumbs me. up. It yeah. Me. It me. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, check mm. that out on our website. We've got Tuesday mornings in January or Thursday evenings in January Pacific. Uh, yeah. Time. Yeah. Let us know if you have any questions about it. We also just love, I know that, um, you know, it is an investment compared to coming to these live Q and A's. I mean, we do, we dive in so much more in depth to each of these topics and personalize them to you. But I think that it is an investment paying money for coaching. And so mm -hmm. if you have any questions about payment plans or figuring out something, scholarships that work for your family, let us know. We want to accommodate um, as many mm -hmm. folks as we can so that we can kind of dig into that deeper work with you. Um, if you've been coming around here, that would be the next step, I think, um, if you're wanting to do that. Yeah. Thanks for being here, everyone. You're doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm. We always say uh, connection over control, trust over fear, progress over perfection. So mm -hmm. we're all in this together. We're all growing up together. Your kids um, are lucky to have you. Yes. You're doing the work. Yep. Um, next week, we will talk about holiday uh, drama, how to deal with um, mm -hmm. the anxiety we experience with having a sensitive and spirited kid um, in public around the holidays or even just at home. The holidays are really can be really hard. And on, we're going to talk families. and we're going to talk yeah. too about how to handle judgmental family members in yeah. new situations. Um, just what are those comebacks? What mm -hmm. are those clapbacks? 
What are those ways that we can interact in a respectful way to um, to connect with other caregivers or other family members around our spirited kids without feeling like we need to change them or we need to defend them mm-hmm. or, or without having to avoid people mm-hmm. or feel shameful about it? What's that? happy medium, mm-hmm. that middle area that's saying, I'm setting a boundary, I'm respecting myself, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm also not spending too much time on your expectations and judgment that are frankly none of your business, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So send in some DMs if you all have anything that you want us to cover next week, yeah. talking about those judgy family and, and all, the, <clears throat> all the drama that comes with parenting in the wild and mm-hmm. respectful, gentle parenting in the wild, which is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. So. And just about holiday stress in general with sensitive sure. and spirited kids, Santa stuff, present stuff, wanting more things, different things, all the disappointments, the excitement, right? Everyone's always like, the holidays are so exciting for our family. And you're like, exciting just means like, <laughs> more meltdowns, more power struggles, yeah. more transition issues, more resistance, right? Mm-hmm. More big feelings. It's more it's everything. More everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gift, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Okay. See y'all. See, See you soon. You.